Good morning, everyone. So, my friends, um, the first reading, as well as the gospel, pick up on themes that are familiar to us, should be themes of uh, fear, anxieties, worries, <clears throat> concerns, fear for one's life. Um, Jesus has an answer to it. Do not be afraid of people. And uh, my friends, of late, especially after COVID, uh, certainly uh, fears and anxieties and suspicions and all of this uh, came to the forefront. Uh, some people did not act properly with these emotions. They did things that they probably would not have done. They would have went into directions they probably should not have gone. We hear stories about, well, because I was afraid, I did this to him. Because I was afraid, I took their life. You see what I'm getting at? My friends, and according to the APA, that's the American Psychological Association of America, uh, they put forth that nearly one in five adults now in the U.S. suffer from anxieties of some type and anxieties disorders. Excessive and debilitating anxiety, uh, they go on to say, has two origins. For some, it runs in the family, genetics. Um, and this is passed down from generation to the next. And they went on to say, but for others, Disorders come from their environment, these anxieties and fears. Uh, perhaps they've experienced something traumatic, and we would see this in areas where war is constant. And, um, <clears throat> or they live in a hostile situation uh, for long periods. Why am I bringing this up? Because of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, the prophet, would have belonged to the second group. Uh, he did not have an easy life. It would seem that God did not make it easier by the mission he gave them to uh, Jeremiah because he asked Jeremiah to speak to the people of his time, his word and his truth, capital T, not little t's. And he was sent to a people who had no interest in hearing it, and that made his life even more miserable. If you read the book of Jeremiah, uh, we would be able to relate to him quite a bit because he went through a whole gamut of emotions, fear, anxiety, joy, love, and at some point he becomes very angry at God. I know none of you ever do that. He got very angry at God to the point where he would not speak to God, nor would he do what God wanted. I know you guys don't know what that is. <laughs> and then... <clears throat> comes around and actually does things. But in it all, uh, he never really turns his back on God, and he never loses hope. Uh, he just goes through these <clears throat> human emotions. <clears throat> and the truth that Jeremiah had to communicate to his beloved Jerusalem, um, a message. And the message was, if you do not repent and reform from your ways and do it quickly... Our people and our nation are going to be overrun by another nation. And uh, my friends, do you want to know? Do you know? If you haven't read the book of Jeremiah, you should. Do you want to know what the people were doing? This is what might be surprising to you. The people, <clears throat> they offended God because they treated each other horribly. They were not nice to each other, and God was offended by it. In my words, God finally said, enough. Enough of this. Does that sound familiar today? 
if God was offended back then by the way people treated each other, how do you think he feels today? <laughs> yeah, he's offended by it. They treated each other with great disrespect and hostility. And they thought that if they simply worshipped God, meaning I'll bring the pigeon to the temple like it says, and he will protect me. <laughs> you guys don't see the problem with that? I'll just put my dollar in the basket, but I won't be nice to anybody. <laughs> Bye-bye, you won't be getting into heaven. <laughs> their prayers and their worship were lacking in sincerity and love. <clears throat> the people of Jeremiah's time believed that if they just maintained this exterior mechanical observance with their sacrifices in the temple, that God would protect them. They had hoped that things would work out as they had done a generation earlier for their people when another nation, the Assyrians, besieged Jerusalem, but miraculously they were stricken by a disease and they ran away. So here it is. Jeremiah is caught between the challenging message that God wanted him to deliver and to deliver it to his own people who he knew were hard of heart and had no interest in listening to what God has to say. Although in the words of the responsorial psalm, Jeremiah had to bear much insult and let shame come over him, he did not let it ruin his hope and confidence that if he was doing what God wanted, he would be vindicated eventually. If he remained faithful, God would be faithful to him. He came to understand that despite all these things, that God was always present to him. So my friends, that brings us up. Uh, Jesus says uh, that my father knows everything, uh, even should a sparrow fall from the sky to the ground. And just because God allows the sparrow to fall to the ground does not mean he's indifferent to his creation. We get it wrong. Well, if God, no. This refutes all of that. This is great love. This shows that God is not indifferent to us, despite hardships. And in spite of the many varied emotions that Jeremiah would have, including anger with God and all the fear and anxiety, he got angry with the people, Jeremiah did. He knew they were persecuting him. They were trying to find a way to kill him. Jeremiah stood up and kept the mission that God was giving him. So my friends, this relates to us. As Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we too can feel all these varied emotions that Jeremiah did. <clears throat> we live in a society and culture where many people feel that God simply does not matter anymore. Instead of being confined to a temple, as in Jeremiah's time, this is how they thought God lived in the temple, today God is confined to the realm of personal sentiments. Outside of that, he doesn't exist. You guys live out there. I can't be the only one that they come and yell at and talk to about. <clears throat> My friends, uh, we live in a country where we are able to freely uh, ex live our faith out, but there are places in the world where Christianity cannot be done that way. Of late, South America, 
continents of Africa, they will kill you there. And the people still stand up and speak on behalf of Christ and his gospel. Here, when we as Christians try to speak on matters involving societal woes, social justice, public policies, we are often met with hostility. And although in this country we may not lose our life because of our witness to Christ, we nonetheless will be met with hostility, sometimes actual physical abuse, but something even worse, never-ending indifference. And I say worse because this indifference does not harm our body, but it has the ability to attack the foundations of hope that people have, eating away at it. And for Christians who are lukewarm and confused, this becomes a serious problem. As you have probably experienced, and I certainly have, we are often told that faith has no place in the public venue, that we should keep our faith and our opinions to ourselves, that we should stay in our stained glass window buildings. Friends, as a citizen of this country, my opinions matter just as much as anyone else's, and it is just as rightful as anybody else's. I have a right to speak on matters of policy and morality in the social realms of this nation. As a matter of fact, Christian disciples of Christ all share a common vocation and duty to do this. All citizens should be concerned about what we call the morality, or that they say the conscience of a nation, the soul of a nation. All people in this country should be looking to do and to help with the morality, not the amorality. But it is doubly true of disciples of Jesus Christ, you guys, Christians. It's doubly true of us. The fact of the matter is, and this is historical, this country was built and founded upon Christian values and morals. Now, if you want to argue, should it still be that way, that's a different argument. But the truth of the matter is, this country was founded on that. So, yes, Christianity has its place. We are to assist in ensuring the moral compass of society is working properly. We have a, a vocation as Christians to seek the healing of our society and not to cause divisions in it. We are to do this in accordance with the teachings of the gospel, in accord with the apostolic teachings and traditions of our church. Sometimes when I talk to some of the Christians, I don't understand what, very, what version of Christianity they're talking about. Sometimes I don't even know what Jesus they're talking about. A couple of months ago, I had a conversation with someone who told me, you know Jesus would be a Democrat if you... I'm like, what Jesus are you talking about? I mean, he would not be Democratic or Republican or Independent. And they said, well, how do you know that? And I said, because they had him in Jesus' time. They were called Pharisees, scribes, and Sadducees. 
we're so arrogant in our generations. We think this is all ours and it belongs. No. From the very first societies, there were traditions and democracies and communisms and dictators. It was all there. They had different names for it. So yes, I'm very confident Jesus was not Democratic or Republican or Independent. He was more the Son of God. So my friends, read the four Gospels and you will find Jesus bravely saying what needs to be said in his time, much like Jeremiah did centuries before. Unlike Jeremiah, though, Jesus didn't demand vengeance and hostility on those who opposed him. When his opponents conspired to have him executed on the cross, he prayed for their forgiveness. In this country, last night I joked and I said, someone can take me and beat me up and kill me. Jesus will raise me from the dead if I've been faithful. When I get to heaven, I won't be able to be vengeful. I just have to say, oh, that was very bad, Jesus, that they broke me into pieces and <laughs> killed me, right? <laughs> but then I have to pray for their salvation. That is the type of courage and fearlessness that was Jesus, and that is the type of fearlessness he's speaking about when it comes to us, his disciples. Jesus did not fear anything for himself. If one could say anything about fear in Jesus, he was more fearful for us and worried about us and what we were coming to and perhaps where we were going. This is the type of fear perfected by divine love that we could place upon Jesus. In a world and in our society where everything is driven by being perfect. You have to have the perfect family, the perfect house, the perfect look. Perfect, 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 perfect. It's exhausting. I bring this up because that type of ideas affect us as Christians because the drive to be perfect influences us. I want to be perfect as Jesus is perfect. And it's a disillusion. And then we move into despair. We may never be perfect in our courage and our love so that we directly mirror Christ, but that does not mean we cannot strive to imitate him to the very best of our abilities. But this begins by trusting the Lord. Here's where I think many Christians run into problems. They really don't trust him. If they did... They would not be overcome by fears. They would have a particular type of courage. If you trusted Jesus completely, there would be things you'd be doing differently and saying differently and acting differently. So this is what we work on. Trusting the Lord, we will never be overtaken by the fears that he talks about. And so my friends, perhaps... Uh, in our world, in our society now, what is needed most is not a one-night hero, but disciples of Jesus Christ who, over time, continually, consistently exhibit ordinary, everyday courage and faith and love. I think that's the remedy. My friends, about courage. Courage is, and you know this, courage is never about not being afraid. 
It is about being afraid and still doing what needs to be done in spite of that fear. We Christians today have to accept that as his disciples, we have a duty to speak prophetically. And when I say prophetically, I'm not talking about <clears throat> foretelling the future. That's not what a prophet of Jesus does. That's not what the prophets of God did. They brought God's word in the time that it was needed in their time. We Christians must do this today. We have to do it even though his truth will not be welcomed. And what is the truth that we are to speak? St. Paul talked about it. It was a new commandment given to the new covenant by Jesus Christ. St. Paul called it the law of Christ, which we don't hear much about, right? The law of Christ. Oh, Father, what is that? Well, I should ask you, what is the law of Christ? Anybody? Any disciple here? That is the foundation of it, and the law of Christ that St. Paul says. You'll find it in Galatians 6 and in 1 Corinthians 9. As I have loved you, you are to love others. This is the new law, the new commandment of Christ. This is what he said. And we can, we can take love out and say, as I have cared about you, you are to care about others. If I have, as I have honored you, you are to honor others. This is the law of Christ. If we started doing this, everything would look differently. By the way, that particular quote comes from John 13, 34. When we speak about Christ, then, and his gospel to people and to a nation, perhaps those who oppose what we are saying and speaking out are doing so out of fear. Maybe they fear change. Maybe they fear being judged. So then let us focus on Christ's mission in our time, but let us do so after the example of the Master himself. He did everything with love. Love of his Father and love for us. And he did it from a place of concern for our salvation. We should be doing the same. May we strive with his grace to confront our own fears and anxieties so that we can allow Christ to work through us in bringing reconciliation and healing to our society and our world. And my friends, St. Paul, who spoke about the law of Christ, also said, if you do these things, and I'm going to apply it to us in our nation, but we can certainly do this for the world. In Philippians, he said, do these do this, then we will shine among them, our nation, like stars in the sky. Philippians 2, 15.